Thanks for listening to the CISO Diaries podcast. We're Leah. And I'm Sia. And we started this podcast with the intent to give CISOs and cybersecurity professionals a place to be their authentic selves. These are the unedited stories told of how they got into cybersecurity, their real struggles that they persevered through, their personal anecdotes that make them tick, and the leadership advice based on their own experiences. And we want to especially spotlight those that are contributing and giving back to the community apart from their day jobs. This podcast is for everyone, especially if you're a leader or someone aspiring to leadership. Who knows? You may find yourself working with these awesome leaders. So join us on your favorite podcast player. And please don't forget to subscribe, follow, like, and comment and engage in the conversation. And now let's get to know our CISO on our latest diary entry. Oh, yeah. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. And thank you for joining us for another diary entry on the CISO Diaries podcast. I'm Leah, here with my co-host. Hello, hello, see ya. And a quick shout out to our sponsor today, Cyber Future Foundation. They are a nonprofit think tank. They are focused on workforce development, grooming and mentoring cyber talent, cyber peace initiatives, public and private sector collaboration, and creating a more safer and trusted world. And our guest today is quite remarkable in cybersecurity, Anu Kikar. She is an associate partner leading cybersecurity, strategy, risk, and compliance in Australia, IBM, for critical infrastructure sectors. She is also the director of a company, an organization that's focused on upskilling, reskilling, and cross-skilling services. And she's very active in the community, helping others on their journey into cybersecurity and evolving the approach to risk management. Anu, how are you today? Welcome, welcome. You're coming in from Australia. Well, we're uh, in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> Hello, all. It's so nice to be here. Yes, I'm coming from the middle of the day in sunny, sunny Australia. There you go. There you go. Yeah, after we just had, we are uh, recording this here in February, and we just had some snow, which is, uh, so it brought on some cold weather. But I uh, wanted to get started in conversation with you, because and why I'm really excited is, your background and how it um, has, I guess, led you to get involved in the community and which we so so, uh, appreciate in terms of helping others. But if we can just take a step back and start with your journey in terms of how did you break into cybersecurity? Because I understand it was unconventional. Yeah, absolutely. I, I call it the um, the switching the career kind of uh, uh, principle that I use. I actually started my career 20 years ago as a tax chartered accountant. So I used to do tax advisory and complete tax returns. Um, over the years, I have switched careers through upskilling and a number of different methods. So I went from a tax chartered accountant to an internal auditor into governance, risk and compliance. I then went into risk innovation and developing products, supply chain, emerging technology, data, and cybersecurity. Um, so definitely not the traditional route that a lot of people have taken, um, but certainly been really rewarding. And it's been really, if I think about it, it's been it's been me really focusing on what's my purpose? What do I like doing? How can I contribute? I think the second principle is I do get bored with things. So if I was to do the same tax return, get the shoebox, pull out those receipts and fill out the tax return, There's only so long you can do that. So I find that I like to try something new, push myself, 
And that's also meant a key part of my journey has been really um, being a lifelong learner, so continuously learning and developing. And it doesn't mean that you have to spend money. Um, so I'll, I'll share some more tips, but it's it's definitely, I'd say my career has been, the key word is switching. I love that. And my background into cyber has um, also been unconventional. So I know we have um, a lot of similarities there. And, you know, I want to touch a little bit because, you know, you're based in Australia, we're in the US. And, you know, some recent numbers I saw, um, or, you know, the last couple of years, I don't know, it's changed um, drastically. But, you know, just to kind of do a bit of comparison as we get more learnings, right, globally about the workforce situation in cybersecurity specifically. And I know there was um, a study by ISC Squared that roughly said there were 134,000 some cybersecurity workers in Australia. And in terms of the job openings, you know, equally that many or more. Um, there, I think it was last year, November, actually 2021, um, had read a couple article articles in Australia, got 26,000 new cyber workers. And then I also know that some companies that are headquartered in the U.S. but have offices in Australia have been first in developing certain programs to help get more people into cyber and train. So, you know, I know Accenture is one of them. They um, have an apprenticeship program and they started uh, with their apprenticeship program, cyber specifically in um, Australia. Now the U.S., they're starting to do that uh, along with the other pieces of their Accenture or their apprenticeship programs in IT and other areas. IBM also has a cybersecurity apprentice program. And so I want to get your, I guess, some of the, before we get into our you know, ideas around how can we help the cause, right? What was it in terms of you getting into cyber? How did you, you know, if you can break it down, break in, so to speak, did you need to go through courses, training? I mean, how how was it for you? And I want to, and did you do that when you were living in Australia? And I'm asking specifically because I'm going to be curious to see if there are any differences with how we're doing it in the U.S. versus in Australia and see if we can learn from each other from country to country. No, I think that's fantastic. And I love the research that you've done, Leah. Um, I certainly know at a, if I think at a country level, um, Australia, we've got a number of government initiatives. And if I look at Asia and even Europe and US, I think the governments have started these programs to invest. And then you've got the likes of IBM, Accenture and other companies, I believe PwC as well, who've started these reskilling, upskilling programs. For me personally, if I talk about my journey and go, well, how did I do it? I think these programs are fantastic. For me, I think there are two key ingredients. One, it's got to be an individual accountability as well. There's got to be the government and country. But I think personally, we need to take accountability and be really into it. And secondly, I think it needs to be the leader. So I'll I'll start with the leader. And as a leader, for example, the kind of things over the last few years that I've been doing is lifelong learning has been part of my team mantra. So I had my team meeting this morning, like two hours ago, and we start with a lifelong learning moment. So I shared a um, a really interesting photo and a story from Bangkok, Thailand. One, it gets the team excited about some new place in the world. And we it was about learning something from it. So that's part of my team meeting. It's also part of my team goals. So we do agile ways of working in my team and we have our monthly sprint. 
as part of our monthly sprint, we have a goal around learning. So I think as a leader, how if how do we make sure that we integrate and embed a culture and a mindset of lifelong learning? Now, I didn't just introduce it in as a leader. I think the second step I would say for any listeners who are a leader to create that mindset awareness, I actually shared a really powerful um, story of myself, of how I've been through it, but I also used data. So if we look at the World Economic Forum, they came out with a report a number of years ago saying that 50% of the workforce needs reskilling by 2025. And 70% of those skills related to emerging tech, so AI, machine learning, data, cyber, et cetera. We're at 2022. I'm really keen to see how much reskilling we've done. The other thing that I pointed out to my team and what I would say to any leader listening is when you look at the top 10 skills that the World Economic Forum says that we should all have, active learning is rated number two. So those two data points for me was a very powerful way to show my team from a data perspective that this is the hardcore facts. Globally, World Economic Forum is saying it. It's a reliable source. Um, I then went into a lot of storytelling and personal stories and found other people who could share. And it's gotten to the point where now my team wants to learn. They get the importance We're also helped by the fact that IBM has an amazing learning platform. It's part of our KPIs. It's part of our goals. It's the learning culture. So that helps when the organization is helping you. Personally, what I would say, how I switched into cyber, I think lifelong learning was a key part. That was one key step. And I would say it was knowledge. It was skills, the application, And most importantly, covering the non-technical areas as well. I think a lot of focus is on I'll do this certification, I'll do this badge, or that gives you the knowledge and perhaps the skills, but, well, hang on, I need to apply it. So I did a lot of special projects. I asked for special things to do so that I could get the application. And I also focused on the non-technical part, not just the cloud security certification that I'm currently doing, I've also been learning and focusing on, well, what's the governance around security, cloud security? What about risk management? What about compliance? What about regulation? Um, all those non-technical aspects are equally important. So I think lifelong learning is probably been my key mantra and way to switch it. There's probably three or four other things, but I might come back to that. Or if you want me to, I'll continue on those. Well, can I ask you this? Because would you say the most successful person when they transition, it doesn't matter, even if it's in cybersecurity or not, is having curiosity and openness to learn? Absolutely. I would say the curiosity and that openness and I think the resiliency or the hard work, like switching careers or taking on something new, it takes a lot of hard work. Like, And I think about every time I've switched careers, it's been a bit of a, a personal, like you really need to invest your own time. It might be in the evenings or on the weekends. And if when you start switching away from Netflix or Prime and go, well, let's use that time to do some learning or going and getting mentored by someone, the time is there. I think that's been my realization. 
No, that's awesome. And I think what I've learned and what I'm hearing from you, and of course, I'm sure when your team listens to this show, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm sure they're going to support you, which is you created a culture of that willingness to learn. And it sounds like try. So if you're going to learn something new, you're giving opportunity to, to share and fail at the same time. Um can you help me understand that when you share your stories, is it always good news and puppies and roses or are you guys sharing some horror stories as well? Look, I think it's, it is absolutely important to hear those um, horror stories as well. Um, I would probably say I'm generally a pretty positive person and my team will go, you're too high on energy at times. So I think I probably do share a lot more positives. Um, however, I've also now really adapted and tried to share, well, here's my struggle or, Here's my challenge. I didn't get any time for learning last week. There were some massive deadlines. So this morning I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try and get in a Google badge that we're doing. So we're trying to do hyperscaler technology training to make sure that we have got AWS, Azure, Red Hat, um, Google, and we are proficient in each one. I think the difference is that um, with the horror stories, that's important. But what I'm also finding is, and this is something I learned myself, just doing the badges and certification doesn't really help. You've got to apply it. So my team and I, we've been doing design thinking, we've done agile. So as we do a badge or training as a team, we're also then in the monthly sprint goal agreeing, well, where are you going to apply it? So for example, two of my associates have just done agile and design thinking, the badge. That's great. They have the knowledge. So they might not have a agile scrum master role on a client project. So what we've done is they are taking turns being the agile scrum master for our team goals. They're still getting to practice and learn and apply that badge, um, which then means that they're learning and, and we're helping them go, well, hang on, what did you learn in the badge? Now you need to apply it. And it's really powerful for them to see and also for me as a leader to see just doing the badge on itself isn't, it's that hands-on coaching, buddying, um, giving them tips on how to do it that really makes the difference. Oh, I love that so much because, again, it's it's knowledge. That's one thing to be book smart, but it's another thing to apply it, right? Like you can have, you know, at least for me, I can watch someone play guitar all day long when I'm at a concert, but I ain't going to be picking up no guitar and playing like, you know, <laughs> Prince, for example. So I'm catching what you're pitching, Anu. <laughs> oh, that is such a good example. <laughs> I kind of go, I don't, I'm not going to learn how to, so I'm a massive tennis fan and we've just had mm -hmm. the Australian Open. So it's been two weeks of tennis. But I, and I, being a tennis player myself, it's like I'm not going to learn to play tennis just watching or reading a book. It's not until I get on the court, practice, have a coach or a buddy to hit up with and Put in the hard yards. So I love right. it. Love the guitar analogy. <laughs> yep. I'm making air well, guitar though. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> um, and it is about giving somebody needs to just get that chance, right? They could be doing all the hard work, um, you know, taking their lessons, getting sort of some are getting certifications and don't necessarily need them all right away, but that's a whole nother topic. Um, and, you know, they're taking certain courses, they're playing around with tools, right? They're downloading and getting the free trial for Splunk just to get their hands on that, right? Just to have that so they can put it down as experience while they're searching for the job. Um, and we know that these are very, I don't like seeing the headlines that says there's a ch talent shortage. 
because there's not, there's talent out there. It's just, they need to have a chance somewhere and have the proper resources, training, education with internally and from the leader, as you've pointed out, that's so imperative for them growing in their career, right? So my one of my questions or two really is, you mentioned you're working on a cloud security certification. So I do want to ask, is that, do you have any other certifications or did you get any coming into cybersecurity? That's a really good question. I My journey into cyber has kind of been bubbling away um, for a while. So I've worked mm-hmm. in consulting and industry. So whilst I was in industry, I was in the risk team, but we covered tech risk and cyber risk. So I used to spend a lot of time with the cyber team and I would really get into and understand how they do things, um, ask them lots of questions, ask them if I can just spend a few hours a week with them or fortnight to actually pick up. So throughout, probably for the last decade, I've been doing bits and pieces to up my knowledge and skills, find out how people are doing it and getting some special projects, et cetera. Um, so if I think about it, I go um, probably the once I did one certification, which was really um, at an executive level to really go, let's give me something that gives me a holistic piece of work and just gets me the, um, I guess, the credentials or talking points for an interview and, and get my foot in the door. I did do that, and I, I can see why that was important for me at the kind of leadership role I was going for. I then actually sat back and I actually wrote down thinking, okay, well, if I take away the leadership part, a lot of people um, could be going, you know what, I've done three or four years of accounting, I've done three or four years of marketing, or I've done... Uh, One of my associates is is a legal degree. She's got um, a legal degree and she's worked for a couple of years and she's now in my cyber team. I've got another associate who's got a geopolitical background. Um, So people with different backgrounds, I might be an agile scrum master. You know what? I want to do cyber. So I actually thought about how do people in non-leadership positions, how do you really make that switch? And I think these would apply to a leader as well. I think it's important we all do the knowledge and skills, but the application needs to be there. Um, Agree. But what I would say is, so I would say the lifelong learning, and that's what we've sort of spoken about, the certification, the badges, the application um, in there. The second thing I thought about that I really ramped up was the eminence in industry. So actually getting a voice, um, being on LinkedIn, as simple as that. My second thing, step would be, be on LinkedIn, follow cyber professionals. So I started following the top 30 cyber professional influencers. So you just type that into LinkedIn and it comes up with the top influencers. I just started following them and I would read their feeds and get a feel for what's going on. I then slowly started commenting on their posts, connecting with them, connecting with other cyber professionals. And suddenly you're part of the community and I started having a voice. I then got invited to speak at keynote presentations I'm on this podcast today you suddenly build a voice I think that's my step number two and the third thing I would say is I actually spend a lot of time thinking what's my superpower so for anyone who wants to switch into cyber think about what's the value you bring so I was a tax professional a risk professional those things are actually valuable to a cyber um, function or a cyber team. So articulating my value proposition was a really good way for me to explain in the interview 
while I might not have 20 years of cyber experience, I can bring value in my role and this is the superpower I bring. And I think for me being clear on that, I think gave me confidence and that also helped in the interview process. I think I spoke about the fourth point, which was around playing in the non-technical area as well. So cloud security is one thing, but what about cloud security, governance, risk, mm-hmm. compliance, change management, those non-technical areas? So I actually spent a lot of time in, um, I had that in my experience, so I used that as a way to supplement. And then finally, I did a lot of reach out. So I joined associations. I was networking online, pandemic in person. I have a golden rule and I'll share this with your listeners. I will, pre-pandemic, I would ask someone, do you have time for a quick walk and talk or can I buy you a coffee? If we're around the city, I would go to their building. I'll meet them at the bottom of their building. We'll walk to the cafe, grab the coffee, walk back. That could be a 10, 15 minutes. In that 10 or 15 minutes, I had a rule. I would ask them one or two tips from a career perspective advice or get them to connect me with someone. So I used to have this whole walk and talk, reach out. I've lost count of how many people I have. I'm so grateful for that have given me advice. And yes, I brought a lot of coffees for them. You could make that into a show, by the way. Just I, I, I'm a podcast producer, so I've always had podcasts in the brain. But could you imagine 10, 15 minutes, you just have this really earthy conversation on the way for coffee and and everyone goes on their merry way. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. Sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. that's a really great idea. I will put that on the list of things. I think that's yeah. a really um, a really good idea. And we will credit you for the idea. There we go. Cyber coffee chat, uh, talk and walk. But I love it. There's so many things that you, you know, touched on and I want to unpack them a little bit more because one, I mean, clearly you put the work in, right? And you talked about that being a really key thing. When, you know, I've, um, I'm involved in quite a few uh, initiatives on helping people get into cyber mentoring them. And we, t- I, the first thing we tell the mentees as they come is number one, we ask them, why do you want to go into cyber? They need to have c- compelling enough reasons, right? We help them navigate through the nice framework, right? The 54 some odd roles to really get that feel and then work, walk them through assessments to kind of map their skill sets to those roles. But we tell them initially up front, we say, look, we will give you, and we have a um, free program through Whole Cyber Human Initiative to build the cyber candidate, right? And it's completely free. And we tell them, this is going to be a lot of work. But if you do it, we guarantee you will meet more people, you will get exposure, you will learn some key skill sets mapped to the areas that you want to look at going into cybersecurity, and you will have a higher chance of getting a job. And I will say the, those who go through with it and put that work in, they're on their way. And it's great wow. to see that, right? But that it comes back to the hard work. Um, we get quite a few who, you know, they've been struggling for a couple of years and they've gone out and spent all this money they didn't need to be spending. They don't even have a job at, at some point you know, in time on certifications and that's still not getting them in. So we tell them, you know, we look at it as you're another example, Um where you don't necessarily need the certifications. All the and, and yes, there are going to be the hiring managers and organizations that are demanding it in the job descriptions. And that's what we're trying to get them to rethink that approach, right? Because it's not as necessary. And giving them the proper skills, and I think it even goes back to if they're in school, college, universities, et cetera, you know, and I know there's some work being done in the the, the schools to 
better to change the curriculum to better align to the workforce, which is critical. And then to your point, I mean, you got in at some point in time where, yes, your skill sets from being an auditor and tax um, has translated hugely. I can see that definitely, right? My skill sets from what I did before transitioning in have greatly uh, paid off and they just need the chance like we got. And so, you know, are there are there some initiatives that you're part of right now that are reaching out to not just mentoring um, the folks trying to get in, but working with organizations and leaders who maybe they're not quite, they want to change the hiring system, but they're not quite sure how. Is, is, are you driving any of those initiatives or having those conversations to get people to think differently about hiring and talent? Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's um, one within IBM, we've started like the fact that I've got two associates um, through our associate program. When we advertise, we go quite broad. We don't say you must have a cyber tech background. Um, we're looking for that superpower and how they can complement in. So we've got technical people like pure cyber professionals, but also people who've got that non-technical aspect. So I think the way the job descriptions are set up, how the LinkedIn posts go out, um, that has really got to come through from the leaders. So any leader listening, um, those were the two fundamental changes we made and we've seen a lot of um, diversity in people applying. So I think that's definitely one. I think the other two things I would say is um, that's part of why I um, took up the role of being a director on the company being um, Aracena. It was act- it's actually a company funded, founded by my brother, who is also a cyber professional. And I was the pilot or the, the person he actually spent the time doing the training. So he was the one who went, okay, well, this is how you apply it. So if I didn't have an application project, he would actually give me examples and do that kind of stuff on weekends and in the evening with me so that whilst I'd been reading a lot, there's a lot of free stuff on YouTube and LinkedIn and that's what I did. I didn't spend money other than the one certification. Um, I did a lot of freebie stuff and then when I was struggling with the application, I I was lucky I had my brother, but we kind of then went, you know what, there is a gap in that area, as you say, Leah, well, how do people make it in they could spend all the money on certifications so how do you make it in um, which is why Aracena what he does is he focuses on the non-technical and he focuses on the application so that your work ready it's a work outcome you can have the certifications but this gives you the work outcome so that you can say I've done a cyber risk posture I have done a cyber compliance assessment or I know how to do it um, the third thing I would say is um, I'm very fortunate and very honoured that I was awarded the, well, currently am the IT security voice uh, champion for Australia um, in cybersecurity. Um, it was awarded just uh, two months ago in December 2021. And as part of that, we've started a campaign um, which is around switch to cyber. So there's a hashtag and you'll see a campaign. By the time we go live with this podcast, it will be up and running Um, And so certainly I've got a number of industry um, associations and um, organisations where we've got cyber leaders and professionals who want to be part of this, where we are going to help switch and transition people from non-cyber and tech traditional backgrounds into cyber. 
because I'm very passionate about it and uh, we, we need to solve that gap. You're spot on, Leah. I love that. Well, congratulations, number one. That's huge. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations. It's uh, That's not a small feat, by the way. No. So that's pretty impressive. Thank you. I uh, absolutely full credit to my brother for all those late evenings and weekends and training me in cyber uh, and also being the one who pushed me to really go out of my comfort zone to get a voice in the industry through um, conferences. And obviously, uh, without my team, like uh, having an amazing team around you makes a difference. Isn't that what that is? In essence, your brother took you in under his wing, if you will. And I think that's this whole, I guess, call to action that you have this hashtag switch to cyber hashtag um, is the fact that sometimes it just takes one person to just guide someone along to get them on that path. And it's it reminds me of that one little saying that if you happen to save that um, a sloth that's crossing the road and you know how slow sloths are, right? It could potentially get run over and killed, right? Yeah. But if you just gently pick it up and move it, it's it's a small little act that you did for the sloth, but for the sloth, you meant the entire world to him or it or he or they, whatever. And I can't help but think that's exactly what we're saying here. Is it not your challenge, call to arms, if you will, for all these executives out there and folks in leadership hiring positions to say, guys, sometimes you're going to want to hire us. I don't want to call a sloth. Sorry, guys. But, you know, you want to <laughs> hire someone and take them under their wings and change their lives. Is oh, that really absolutely. what you're doing? Absolutely. So when um, when the award was announced and as part of my acceptance speech, I actually gave the whole room. So we had a in-person event, which was amazing, given the pandemic that we've all been going through. It was a hybrid event. And I think we had 500 people in this amazing um, uh, ballroom and I kind of gave the whole room an action or call challenge to say by the time you meet at the awards again in October 2022, before we come, I want every single person in that room to have upskilled or taken two people under their wing and brought them into cyber. So just in Australia, I'm hoping that by October we will have a 1,000 people that are not your traditional cyber and tech background people um, that have been taken under the wing, like I was by my brother and your example, but that is exactly what we need. And I'm loving the fact that both of you are so embracing and supporting this, and let's make it global. It's not just a problem in Australia. I think we really need to go, how do we collectively um, switch to cyber? But there are so many people who want to come in. Um, they just need that little, take me under your wing. You're, yeah, it's definitely so many people. Um, that's, I love that. 500 to let's get to 1,000, right? And some people may think about the number and think, well, that's only 500. Yeah, it's only 500, but the work that it takes to get in because it it's not necessarily you and I, for example, we're doing the mentoring, we're doing the work, right? As leaders, we know we can get people in and give them the opportunity. Then we see a lot of the hiring managers who, if they truly want to also look and expand to get diverse talent, this is one way, right? But it does take changing the system, right? In it, and I'm not saying every company, um, is doing this, but there are, there's still the majority 
that they use the ATS tracker for the online application. Their job descriptions are not written up to spec properly for an entry level, right? They're calling for way too much experience that someone just out of school would never have, as well as certifications that takes five plus years to even get to that point. So I think another call to action, hiring managers who want to help change the process, right? One join us, right? Join the community. There are a number of people trying to solve this and who are willing to help um, and are doing things today to, to improve that and, and look at a different approach. Work with your HR and talent teams. Look at right. the job descriptions. Write them yourself if you have to. Educate the HR and talent team so they know what to look for in the applications when they're getting resumes. Go out and post that you're looking for people and at what roles and what levels so you can get from the network people sending referrals your way. Take the action, like you said, accountability with the person that's trying to break into the role, that's work. But it's also accountability on the person that's hiring to think differently and and do differently. And that that's the biggest piece. Absolutely, couldn't have said it better. Well, you know, oh, go ahead, see ya. Uh, can I be a jerk? Can I just be a jerk? Because I enjoy being a jerk. <laughs> can I just be a jerk? I, yeah, I want you guys to. I, wa- I want you guys to answer me this, okay? Pretend I'm a hiring manager. I am an IT director. I'm sorry. IT, sorry, my background's also IT. I'm cyber. I'm security director of this. I'll say mid market uh, enterprise. Okay, so I've got the ability to hire staff. I've got budget but I don't exactly have the biggest team in the world. Okay. My team, my team is already hard pressed enough as it is. I do know this is, I'm going to say an entry level job because we're trying to get as much budget as possible. And we're bang for our buck because we all want unicorns in life. But guys, I have my heart's in it. I want to hire these, you know, you know, transition folks, but I just don't have the time to train them. I just don't have the time to bring them on board. I feel like that is your biggest challenge. Correct me if I'm wrong here. How would you address that? You want to go first? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to. I would say it absolutely is. Yep, it is absolutely. It comes down to I don't have the time to invest and train. And so I would say there's a couple of different ways I would tackle or advise that in terms of if for someone being in that situation. Um, think about we do mentor people. Like everyone who is a leader, it's probably got one or two people under their wing. So for that year, rather than picking other people externally to your team, do you put that time and mentor those one or two people, take them under your wing um, and go, that's what I'm going to do. That's one thing I've done this year. I've gone, the two associates who don't have the cyber background, I've taken them under my wing. I'm also very fortunate. I've got another team member who's got 20 years cyber experience. And between the two of us, We've taken them under the wing and that means that mentoring, it's part of the job and it just happens to be that I'm not mentoring um, maybe 20 other people. I've reduced the number of people so I can focus in on the cyber. Um, Secondly, I think that's exactly why um, my brother set up that company going, well, if someone doesn't have the time, send them my, my way. I will do this. Um, it will cost you money, yes, but uh, you've got the time and you know that they will get that work application training. And again, that's why I was like, you know what? Yep, I want to be a director and I want this is something that's close to my heart. Um, thirdly, I think this is also where 
Um, if we can create a community where we come together to help people to switch into cyber, that's where I'm really looking at. We can find ways that we can pair up people. There will be so many people that are happy to be a mentor. Let's do that. Let's mentor people that want to switch and take that time pressure. But, Sia, you're spot on for me. I can't imagine if it wasn't my own brother, who would have spent all those evenings and weekends. That is like being mentored. Someone who's got blood, sweat and tears and investment in the outcome, same for the two people in my team. Like I absolutely care for their success. It impacts our team productivity. It impacts our team reputation, the value that we add. So they would be sort of my three tips. And, you know, it's an an interesting question, Sia, because a lot of hiring managers that I know I've talked to don't even realize what's out there to actually help them if they're in this predicament, right? Where they say, well, I want to, but I don't have the time. There are a ton of free resources. As Anu said, there's tons of us mentoring them. So we're kind of doing some of that work for these hiring managers already, really. There are free resources. There are plenty of free vouchers. We give them away all the time with other our friends in the community for pen testing, capture the flags. There are discords and society of mentor communities that we can um, that we bring people into where they can learn if they have a technical question and they need that help. We can we have um, industry folks that are helping them and guiding them and pointing them to where to go and get that. We teach them how to be resourceful. LinkedIn learning. There's a lot out there that you can help and get the answers. So you don't have to go and, you know, bug your hiring manager, so to speak, right? That you can part, that hiring manager can look at for the organization partnering with other um, organizations. So for example, the Pacific um, National Northwest Labs in Washington, uh, Northwest in, in US, the U.S., they are partnering with the local energy and utility companies and giving mentors to entry levels for those organizations to hire in to make it less of a burden for these hiring managers who claim they don't have the time. There are so many different ways you can have these, you know, the folks coming in, volunteer for the local city, county emergency response teams for cybersecurity, and they're going to get the training and upskilling that they need. Um, But I will say this too, that hiring manager who wants to hire entry level, or maybe the only budget is, is to support an entry level role, take the onus take the accountability and realize if you're going to hire and have a team member, that's part of our jobs as being a leader, as being a manager, you got to look out for your staff. So I'm sorry, but no slack there because you know the drill, you get in a leadership position and you have a staff and team that entails, you need to provide for them and give them resources. So figure it out that there are people and resources out there that can help you if you, you know, reach out to us. But no, accountability, <laughs> accountability, no slack here. Th- thanks for answering. Actually, you answered it very masterfully because it's so true. And I think building a community of mentors. So your call to action, that switch to cyber is such a great call to arms for those that are in the capacity to be a mentor. I don't think there's enough cybersecurity leadership that realizes how influential they really are. I think sometimes we're so buried down in the deep of the dungeons and the bowels of the world, if you will, that... No, you're you're influential very much so in this in this particular space. So that's my challenge is if you're in that hiring ca- capacity, maybe not your immediate position, but maybe for others. So find a mentee as well as, you know, bring others, you know, across, you know, people over. I love that. 
Yeah, even like I'm thinking when we get we get more people on board, if you're not mentoring your own people, um, mentor some organ people in another organization that are new to cyber and some other organization could mentor your people. What we're doing is we're bringing the best of the leadership because as a leader, I know my associates get to work with me, but having getting them a mentor from another organization as a cyber leader who will take them under the wing, they will get the benefit of two leaders. Yeah. And if I take on two other people, and I guess that's my call to action to all your listeners, um, just pick two people that you're going to mentor and take under your wing to switch in, to help them switch into cyber. And if we all do just two people this year, I can't wait. And maybe the three of us should catch up at the end of this year and see how many people have joined our movement and um, the total number of people that we've been able to switch into cyber. Oh, I love that. So, Anu, you have just, you know, thank you, one, for sharing your story. And I think it, 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 you touch and impact so many people when you share that transitioning story. Because I know every time I share my story about how I transitioned in, it's usually a mentee who's about to give up and then they get that, you know, burst of motivation in them to say, okay, I'm going to keep going. You've, you know, you've made it seem like it's possible and it is possible. So as we wrap up, call to action, switch to cyber campaign, hashtag switch to cyber campaign, take on two people and mentor them, as you mentioned, join the movement. Um, I'll say this too, uh, and I think it can go hand in hand. So we will definitely be uh, conversing after this recording. Um, the week of April 18th, and it's going to be global initiative, so on site and hybrid, there is Talent Week that's going to be hosted by Cyber Future Foundation, bringing in many people like Anu and anyone else who wants to join this movement. So we can all, it's about, I think, working collaboratively together. Any final parting thoughts as you're part of your call to action? Switch to cyber. Oh, I'm super excited to be part of it and absolutely thank you to both of you, Leah and Sia, for um, having me here today and giving me a chance to share the story and get this global. I'm really grateful you both are doing something really worthwhile and helpful for the cyber community. So thank you. Oh, thank you. That's very kind of you. Wow. I'm all very clamped right now. But on that note, Anu, you're absolutely inspiring. And you guys, I can't figure out a better way to end this perfect entry within the CISO Diaries. Thank you so much, Anu. Thank you. Thank you.